and welcome to Where's Babs. This is Barbara Talisman. I want to welcome Laura Lynch, who I met through Instagram and YouTube after my NPR Marketplace piece appeared. And Laura reached out. She shares stories of independence and financial freedom and resilience through her podcast, Less House, More Moolah, inspiring others to break free from the societal expectations and embrace a life of minimalism and freedom that comes with having financial freedom. We connected on the minimalism and living differently topics. In addition to her podcast, you can find our website at the tiny house advisor with an E S E R. I've been a follower of the tiny house movement for many years. Many of you know, I no longer have a permanent home. So I have decided to live home free or house free on the road permanently. Laura offers her financial planning expertise as a CFP to guide current or wannabe tiny homeowners towards financial freedom to fully embrace the magic of the tiny house. Laura and I both believe the freedom and joy that comes from living in a tiny house or a minimalist lifestyle without excessive material possessions and traditional society norms is worth the effort. Don't knock it till you try it. Well, hello, Laura. Welcome to Where's Babs, the podcast. I am so delighted that we're going to have this conversation about living uh, less house, more moolah. And as I talk, which is your thing, and mine is about traveling well for less or free. So there's a nice little synergy there. So I think we should just dive in. What do you think? I think that's awesome. Thank you, Barbara, so much for having me. I'm super excited. I'm curious, where are you today? Oh, I'm in Northern California house sitting and I am in a house with two dogs that I am hoping will behave themselves. They are chewing away at toys. Now I'm in Florida and I too have two dogs in here. I will just dive into some questions and we'll see how we go. Yeah. So um, we talked about overhead and that housing is one of the most expensive costs that anyone has, whether you're retired or living, you've got, you know, a roof over your head. Thank goodness you have one because we know in America, this homelessness issue is a big one because it's the largest expense. And I know I've eliminated it, allowing me to the freedom to travel without having that overhead. Um, And tell us about living in, uh, tell us what about living in a small space appeals to you and uh, about how the tiny house advisor yourself helps Mm -hmm. others who aspire to that way of life. Yeah. So yes, you and I are just on the same train when it comes to this, right? Because we do know that statistically in 2023, the average home price in the United States is $428,000. And right now with interest rates being where they are, when you put that across a 30-year mortgage at 6%, that's $925,000 that people are striving to spend just to keep a roof over their head. And, you know, we've all been programmed kind of as we were, you know, coming up. I just wrote about this in my community yesterday, right? We call starter homes, starter homes, right? Because we're expected to constantly be upgrading and getting that larger and larger piece of real estate throughout our lives. And at what cost, right? Because we, but the thing is, we never even think about it. Nobody ever says, hey, um, 
40% of your income, right, is going to be spent on the roof over your head. So how would you like to uh, get that 40% of your income? Instead, we all just do the thing that we are expected to do and we don't know any better. So I think that you and I have questioned kind of the norms around where we live and the tiny house concept particularly appeals to me. Truly, it was just a solution. Um, my husband and I looked at some land. We bought the land. We're like, well, we'd like to have somewhere to stay on this land. And we didn't have the time because I was in corporate world back then. I had two weeks of vacation a year. We didn't have the time to come there and build something on that property. So we built a tiny house at our place which was in Florida. And then we towed it across the country and put it on our land there. And so then the pandemic came along and we were like, well, what the heck? Why am I gonna sit here stressed in this moment about my income? And why am I gonna keep myself locked in a career channel that maybe isn't the best fit for where I'd like to be or geography that I, where I wanna be? So what's our options? And we did a bunch of thought experiments and took a couple of trips. And ultimately we said, we just need to go live in our tiny house because we can do it there debt free. And then we can have so much more freedom and autonomy to do what we want to do every day. And so that is how I have come here to be asking the same questions that you did. Like, where do I really want to be? And what do I really want to be doing? And how do I do that thing? Oh yeah, this roof is a problem. Let me change that. And I think you, you've hit it spot on um, the ties that Americans and people in North America have to home ownership or condos idea of the starter home at 22 or 30 years old and having this investment in real estate and goodness knows the real estate market, just like the stock market, you have no control over it. It's a very interesting conversation that's still going on, even though two generations before you and I, bought houses at 15 or $30,000, which was really expensive back then, right? For them. But yeah. that was now 40 years ago and the house is paid off. Well, you're not going to find that today. Right. So I think that idea of alternate living styles is something that people should look at in order to determine the life they want to have. I've had my own share. In fact, I'm still standing in my, you know, big house right now that we're in the process of, you know, selling when it's on the schedule to be sold, which is coming up in about six months. And it has been, it has afforded us equity, right? So, I mean, certainly homes have been a traditional way that people have built wealth. But also, if you don't spend the money on the home and you spend it on something else or invest it in some other way, you can also build wealth another way. And so my problem and my sort of soapbox is not necessarily around buying a house. It's having no option about what path you go on because no one ever says to you, hey, you have choices here. Instead, you just get in that career path and you just grind away at this goal that frankly doesn't fit what people are trying to do, especially younger generations are trying to do these days, which is experience their life. And so that is my sort of thing that I'm picking at is let's have a conversation around options before we dive in. It's kind of the same conversation around college that people are having right now, right? It's about, let's think about options before we get into a bunch of debt to get a degree that may not be that valuable based on changes that are compounding our world today with AI. So same idea, the world is changing. 
let's think about options and rather than just defaulting into one path. And I would say, I think that those conversations, and we see these in these social influencers and how young people have chosen their lifestyles with or without college to see the world or to be in the world. And so again, it's a generational difference. So I want to get into a little bit more about Less House, More Moolah, your podcast, so you can share with people, you know, what that's all about and the conversations you have on that podcast. Yeah. So basically I was sitting in my uh, very great experience, a corporate financial advisor role um, through the pandemic. Right. And I've always wanted to be, have a writing practice and get up and write every day or, or what have you. And in that moment where we said, Hey, let's go live in our tiny house full time so that we can be debt free. And that'll, you know, jumpstart us for the future as far as how much money we'll have available to fund our autonomy. Um, I was thinking, well, you know, maybe I'll need to start my own business out of a lot of other focus areas that I could focus on. But the thing that is truest to me is my values around this, you know, this plan that I'm doing and that I wanted to create some content around it. And so the podcast is so much fun, by the way. I mean, it's just the greatest fun ever to get to talk to people who you meet on NPR. Like, so fun. So the podcast, I've, you know, mulling titles, mulling titles. I'm just sitting on the porch with my husband. You know, I've got my notebook. I'm like brainstorm. Well, I could just call it Less House, More Moolah. And it made me laugh, right? And I feel like that that is such an important point because money can be so freaking serious and nobody wants to talk about it anyway. And so that is how I got that title. And really what that is all about is helping people think about how tiny living can help support them on their path towards financial security. So by choosing to focus not on the square footage of their roof and instead on the other things more important in their life, they can create some security for themselves that maybe wouldn't otherwise be possible and can untrap themselves from those careers in geography that aren't suitable to them. And really that's, you know, just me kind of grabbing people by the hand and pulling them along as I go on this journey myself with my financial planner background and all those things. I just want to help people because everybody in the tiny community is talking about financial security. And so I want to create that roadmap that really helps people execute on that rather than just thinking it's magically going to show up when they make that transition. And that transition is hard, by the way. So that's why I have the two two areas that I help people. One is with pivoting because going from a regular house or a rental into a tiny house takes some orchestration and planning. And the other is the more long-term and impact planning. So, okay, you're living tiny. So that means you can do something more important with your money. What is that more important thing to you? Let's align that with your values and put a plan together for that. And so your CFP is the basis for which you can put together the tiny house advisor with an E, an ER, right? And that you can help people look at just like any CFP could, but I think it's in a very different, from a very different point of view in terms of assets, right? Because biggest thing people normally have is a home, a, Mm -hmm. a residence, and then their car, And then their financials, you know, their investments or something. So I wanted our viewers and listeners to know that you come from a place of learning and certification. So when we talk, when you talk about this kind of financial freedom or pivoting, that it comes with a great experience and certification. Tell us a little bit about how Tiny House Advisor works 
in this space because it is not like working for a big uh, investment firm or a financial advisory firm because you really niche down to folks that are looking to pivot or change their lifestyle significantly in order to have a different lifestyle. So I'm a fiduciary financial planner. And what that means is that I've taken an oath to act in my client's best interest. And the way that I did that, practically speaking, is to start my own registered investment advisory firm, which means I do not take commissions. So I don't get any compensation from any investment. What I get paid for is directly from the client for helping them project plan, basically. So an RIA, registered investment Mm -hmm. advisor and a fiduciary Mm -hmm. is different than what? So that they they understand, I think this is very important and it's come up in a lot of the solo women Facebook groups that I'm in. Oh, do I take social security? I don't know what I'm going to do. And my thing is always talk to your financial advisor. It shocks me that they're looking for this advice from 600 women, you know, on a Facebook group, right? And, and I said, find a fiduciary. And I just don't want to go any farther than that because it's too complicated, right? But- For the, for this, explain the difference between a fiduciary IRA and a tra- whatever they consider a traditional financial advisor. Yeah, because this is hard as crap to figure out, even when you're in the business, much less for the average person. So if we go back to the 1980s, you could not go to E-Trade or TD Ameritrade or wherever and buy yourself an investment portfolio, right? You had to call up a broker, right? And that broker got paid by doing a transaction. So very much like you buy real estate these days. So Over time, regulators, the SEC, FINRA started to realize that maybe clients aren't always getting the best deal and nobody's really looking out for them. So different rules got put into place over the years. Suitability was one, best interest was another, and then the latest has been fiduciary. Now, not everybody in the financial services industry is required to act as a fiduciary because they can stay in that broker world. And so they can continue to get paid for those transactions. But when you start giving advice, then you are then you are required to operate under a fiduciary standard. So in my prior career path, I sat on both sides of the fence. So sometimes I was acting in that advice role and sometimes I was acting in that broker role. And what but what I found is internally, I felt that conflict. Right. I felt like that I was so obsessed with bringing in client assets in order to generate revenue that I wasn't really getting to know people and understand them and adding value for their for their lives in a planning capacity. Instead, I was just trying to bring in assets, bring in assets, right? And so I wanted to get out of that model and into a fee-only model. And what that means, again, is that clients pay me directly for planning. And any investment management that we do is added value add, so AKA free. So really, I want clients to value the planning piece of things. And I want to mitigate my conflicts as much as possible and feel like I'm working hard for clients to help them plan their life. And that when we build out portfolios, we're doing that to fuel their life. And that's not that's not the ultimate goal of what we're doing. The ultimate goal of what we're doing is trying to help them accomplish what their values are and what they want to see their life look like in the future. Simple thing is you aren't paid by how many transactions you make. 
And I think that that is really important, especially for younger clients who know that it's easy to go build your own portfolio, right? And maybe they do want advice on it, but their primary need is, hey, I'm going to sell out of my primary residence in Florida and I'm going to move into my tiny house in Colorado. How do I make that happen and pivot my career and get my family situated? And, you know, we're going to have an income gap and I'm going to have to buy the house before I sell the house. And like, how do I plan all that out? And so that's really where the value is. And certainly we're going to build out great portfolios for people who want that, but it is optional. And really it's about creating a life for them that they want to live and letting the money, which is the fuel, fuel their life and it not being the destination into itself. We're not focused on the wealth as the goal. The goal is the life. Where did you start in this process and where are you now and how can they contact you if they're interested and and what is your next step in the tiny, tiny house advisor as well as less house more moolah? Yeah. So I am, you know, having a great time interviewing people. Yes. So anybody who has guest suggestions, I would love to hear them. Um, my business is up and running. So I'm definitely out there trying to attract folks who are looking for the kind of planning that I'm providing. And I'm in a 30 month project plan with my husband for moving across the country. So we're in like month I don't know, 19 or something. <laughs> so we've been working through this a little bit at a time. We're now really in the downsize phase so that we can take our next trip of moving stuff across the country. And the reason why we have to do multiple trips of stuff is because we have a lot of heavy equipment and tools that my husband needs for his business. So our house will be tiny. Our shop will be large indeed. <laughs> There you go. Well, I think this has been a great conversation, Laura. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audiences before you before we sign off? So you can follow me at the Tiny House Advisor. Advisor is spelled S-E-R at Less House More Moolah. I'm on most of the platforms and my website is the tinyhouseadvisor.com. And there you can actually just click a button and call or text me if you have interest in having a further conversation. Well, thanks so much. This has been a great conversation. And, I, you know, I'm a fan only because I have made that decision not to have a house and to use my assets would allow me to travel as freely as possible or to travel well for less. And so when we met and we had this great conversation before we did your podcast and now, now it was just, I felt like I found a sort of a kindred soul, you know, to talk to about, about how we can and how we will make changes in our life in order to live the life that we want to have. So thanks for your contributions to the communities that you're touching and, and for our friendship and being able to share all this with them. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same, Barbara. Thank you so much for allowing me to share with your listeners and anything I can do to support. I'm always here for you. Wonderful. Well, have a great day and it was great chatting with you. Yeah, thank you.